chopped off heads, thick heads and blood. To me, riffs are fucking timeless. You've got generations of people going to see them. It's our best album so far. The fans have been asking for it. They've been asking for it for years. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It's like music we play, man. You're either going to like it or not. There are satanic bands. Some of them really aren't. We're playing the craziest drunken debauchery show we've played probably ever. It is not a condition to be doing a podcast. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back to the heaviest show on the internet. It's The Great Metal Debate Podcast, episode 71, August 2021. We're roaring back on the heels of the pandemic with tours again in motion and getting back out there to see live music once again. I'm joined on this episode by my man, Xander. Xander, you and I both dove right back into the mosh pit, hitting a number of shows. I've got some killer concerts to discuss, but before I get to mine, I know you your phone must have been blowing up of late because you like the surprise breakout vocalist at Slam Dakota Fest. <laughs> right. I, uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of cool the vocalist of Atoll was impressed with my vocals. He was impressed with the way that I wasn't having to cup the mic to project my vocals so it's fucking amazing dude i mean the the most amazing thing is you getting to perform with sean whitaker like i got to see him at chicago domination fest and it blew my mind like this one guy gets up on stage alone and it was like he hypnotized the whole audience everybody was transfixed by his performance yeah it's not something that people see every day. I've been a fan of Sean Whitaker since I was in high school, all the way back in late 2009 when I discovered him. Uh, the, the first song I ever heard from him was The Falling the Adoration of Christ. And around the same time as when I discovered Future Pile, Blood Soaked, and other extreme underground bands like that. I've always wanted to see him live, and I invited him to play a show here at Parksville. He and I were just kind of hanging out. He's talking about playing the show at Slam Dakota and asking me if I want to go with him. And um, he strongly feels like my vocals need to be heard. Not only that, but he and I actually talked about making a a duet uh, Slam project. And, That'd be um, awesome, dude. Originally, we wanted to do Melodeth, but we're not finding people right now to fill in for the groovy kind of guitar riffs that we'll need. Uh, so... We're going to have to do away for right now with the Dark Tranquility-esque style that we want and just make something with Slam for now. A Dark Tranquility with Sean Whitaker on the guitar, that's damn. Yeah, he specializes with Slam riffs, though, and he has come up with a couple of groovy riffs, uh, one of which sounded kind of like a Arch Enemy riff. But uh, another riff that he came up with sounded like an old Morbid Angel riff. I'm thinking, hey, what if we had a mixture? Like, what if we made a melodic slam death band? Morbid Enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the plan to, to play together at Slam Dakota, how did that come together? He just straight up asked me. He said, do you want to do vocals for a U-Haul? I couldn't answer him whenever he asked me that at first. Uh, I was over at his place just jamming, and then he asked me that out of the blue. And I'm, I'm thinking, 
I want to say yes, but am I qualified? <laughs> you know, because uh, you, you've had people that have heard that song be played by him for over a decade live. And then for some stranger to get up on there and do the song, I didn't know if I was going to get booed off stage or not. That that was like my main worry, aside from my vocals drying up on stage. But I, I eventually agreed to it and said, yeah, man, fuck it, let's do it. This is an opportunity that I'm going to regret not taking up. <laughs> so, uh, And then you guys flew up to the Dakotas and, like, what, what was that scene like to to show up there at Slam Dakota Fest, but as an artist. It was very neat having the lanyard <laughs> pretty much saying that I'm part of the band, even though I really kind of wasn't. Um, I was just given the lanyard. Fuck that, dude. You performed on stage. You're an artist. If you're up there on stage, you're an artist. You deserve the lanyard. You, you earned it, dude. It was nice getting VIP access like that. Even though I had real no reason to go backstage in the green room or anything, I was just wearing the lanyard as my free ticket in, even though I was only up on stage for that one song, uh, for that one day, you know. Who but, all did uh, you meet and what was the, what was it like having the full access to a fest like that? Well, regardless of whether or not I had the lanyard or not, I could have met anybody I wanted. On that first day, I met up with Gorgatron to do the interview for you. And, um, Which was awesome. Thank you, dude. That was that was killer. Uh, no problem, man. I, I met Sean McCanny from Future Pile. He was a pretty chill dude, but I, I couldn't um, shit the shit with him for a long time because he was busy running back and forth and getting bombarded by a lot of people as well. So it was kind of like hi and goodbye. Or I at least told him that I had been listening to him for 12 years. <laughs> you know, It was definitely cool finally to be able to meet him after all these years of being a big fan. I think what you said is really important. I feel like the average fan, maybe they don't get to meet everybody, don't have full VIP experience. But if you're a big fan and you go to one of those fests, you've got tremendous access. And if there's some bands and artists that you appreciate, you're probably going to have some opportunities to interact with them and tell them what you think and maybe get a photo and that sort of thing. Like, to me, that's one of the awesome things about those type of fests. These artists aren't hiding from the fans. They want to meet and interact with the fans. And that's what I love so much about the metal scene, especially the extreme metal side, because you know, you're right. These band members will seriously walk out in the open, just be out in the crowd, moshing with you. Then whenever it's time for them to get on stage, they'll get on stage and do their thing. But as soon as they're done, they'll go straight to their merch, their merch booth, you know, and um, shoot the shit with the fans as they were buying merch. And Yeah, absolutely. I've had that experience so many times. The bands who are performing, like, they want to get in the crowd and experience what's going on on stage like a fan because they're fans, too. They're not that different than me and you, although maybe I should say not that different for me since you're the guy up on stage, not me. Right. At one point during the first night, Sean points a guy out and he says, hey, you see that guy over there that I was just talking to? He's one of the former drummers of Dying Fetus. And I'm like, no fucking way. Uh, it, it was um, Duane. He was only the drummer for the uh, War of Attrition album, which is, actually, which is actually the first Dying Fetus record that I checked out when I was in high school. But 
uh, yeah, that drummer, he wasn't playing in the band. He was just a fan in the crowd watching the, the other bands. Uh, and I went up to this guy who was just in the crowd asking to get my picture with him <laughs> because I found out that he was one of the former drummers of Diane Pettis. Xander, I want to talk with you more about Slam Dakota Death Fest after the break. And we've got other shows and bands to talk about, too. But before that, let's listen into an act you got to see at the festival. We've got Death Metalers Grave Slave from their 2021 independent release, No Center. Here's Spectral Procession. Oh, 
That was Minnesota death metal enclave Grave Slave with the track Spectral Procession off their 2021 album No Center. Just one of the many extreme metal acts that hit the stage at Slam Dakota Fest this summer. Well, that track definitely slaps for sure. Xander, without going through both full-day lineups, what were the bands you saw that really appealed to you? Uh, the first day, there was this band there called Carnographer, and um, they're a regular new death metal band. Uh, they have that really deep, gurgly death metal sound, like um, Pertinence comes to mind, or um, Oppressor. Those two old-school death metal bands would fit the sound, so Carnographer. That's one of the bands I was impressed by. Another slam death band that was there that absolutely crushed it was a band called Kill Everything. Uh, like th- That vocalist was just a freaking monster. Of course, Atoll, aside from them just being a, an overall good slam death band, what really stood out to me the most about the band was their bass player. He was really shredded on that four string. That's interesting because so many basses today, it's like five or six strings. And I, I'm not a musician. Far be it for me to say what is or isn't the right approach to your instrument. But why do you have all those strings? Like, you're just playing bass. It shouldn't be that complicated. I mean, there are people who need five strings, like Erwin Casperson, for example, from, you know, I mean, currently he's in that band called Igor. But when he was in the band Blood Red Throne, um, he really needed it. But then again, and maybe the basis for Beyond Creation, man. I mean, that guy. And, and not that, but he has a fretless, too. But uh, you also have bassists from a band like Obscura, where you have a freaking eight string bass that's fretless. And it yeah. barely even sounds like a bass because there is so many strings. Yeah. What they do is insane, man. I, that's off the charts. Yeah. In order for somebody to actually need a six-string, you'd have to be somebody like Les Claypool from Premise. I myself wanted to play a bass a couple of years ago, but the bass guitar was just kind of collecting dust, and I wasn't really picking it up as often as I should have, so I ended up just punting it. <laughs> I think that's important. Like, As a non-musician, it's real easy for me to make pronouncements about what I think is the best approach to playing the instrument or uh, writing songs or you know, general musicianship. But at, at the same time, it's all bullshit what I say because I don't actually play and I don't put in the hundreds if not thousands of hours of time practicing and developing my craft. Right. I mean, I wish I kind of had more time in the world to do things like that. But, you know, with me working two jobs, I, I could barely um, so much as write. <laughs> you know, I'm always starting to write lyrics for new songs that, I could potentially do one day in the future. But um other stuff you want to say about Slam Dakota? Anything, you know, any crazy experiences you had? Keep it PG-13. Well, I did get a little bit too high because in South Dakota, marijuana is legal. Nice. So um you had pretty much everybody there just kind of out in the open smoking the medical grade shit. So as far as anything wild, not really so much. It was just your typical metal show that just had a lot of bands on the bill. Uh, another band that kind of stood out on the second day, Angelic Desolation. They had fake human fetuses uh, dangling from their mic stand. The singer was taking them and purposely ripping their heads off and drinking, like, whatever red Kool-Aid was coming out of it and throwing it out in the mosh pit. Uh, it, it, it was funny. They it, it had uh, umbilical cords 
uh, hanging from him too, and he was swinging him around. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was pretty neat. I envy you. It sounds like an amazing fest. There was one band on the first day, and they were the first band to get on stage. I forgot what they were called, but they did have this woman singing clean vocals the whole time, and their guitar player just kind of shouted it very briefly. So I wasn't too impressed with them. I forgot what they were called, but that was pretty much the only clean singing going on. I'm sure there was a reason why they were the very first band in the first day to play. So Yeah. Although, arguably, it would be better to mix them in the middle and change things up. I, and I guess I would say that about anything. I'm going to Mad with Power Fest in Wisconsin, and two days of power metal bands. I have a feeling by the end, I wish I'd have a death metal band mixed in, but just because, like, having one style, band after band after band after band, I think, as a metal fan, I like a mixture of styles. Yeah, I think the thing is that a lot of festivals like to keep the same genre to keep the same crowd. But I see what you mean, though. It's not like Rockstar Energy Mayhem Fest, where they'll have a band like Dragon Force playing on a main stage, but then have Suicide Silence or Whitechapel playing uh, before them, and then having uh, like a mainstream band playing after that, like Slipknot or whatever, you know? Um, Fuck that. Ugh, disgusting. Oh, my God. That's awful. See, I, I'm just using that as an example because... No, I know. I know. I'm just saying that would be terrible. Ugh. Well, I mean, it was all fun back in 2008 whenever I saw that, you know. Yeah. But then again, I was a noob in high school, so what did I know? <laughs> what do any of us know? Dude, I do want to mention a couple of shows that I've been to and just kind of get your quick reaction. You know, I've been to a couple of shows recently in Cincinnati. My man Will with Transplant Productions up in Cincinnati, he has been on the forefront. Even during COVID, like he's been having shows, and the restrictions in Ohio have been pretty severe, like social distancing, mass, minimum crowds. But he's kept having shows. I've been to a few of them, most recently back in June at Legends Bar and Venue, which is on the west side of Cincinnati, not the nicest side of Cincinnati. I've been to shows, Bogarts and some other places. This is on the sketchier side of Cincinnati. Let's, but when you got there, it was an awesome place, good little bar, and saw some local bands, Trash Night, Bloodgate, and Dark Soul. And then the headliner was Wrath, Thrash Band out of Chicago. These are older guys. They had some albums out in the 80s. They never reached the heights of an Anthrax or Testament, Death Angel, one of those 80 thrash bands. They kind of were hovering below that level of success. But Wrath blew me away. When they hit the stage, Wrath were fucking awesome. And I, I would encourage anybody, if you have a chance to see this band, classic thrash from Chicago, Wrath are amazing. Right. Um, it, you know, I, of course, whenever you're at these shows, you end up meeting new people every time you go, and uh, most of the people you meet are pretty cool and uh, have the same music interests as you and have similar backgrounds. <laughs> so we've both got more shows to talk about, but before we do, let's take a moment for more metal. Here's some melodic death metal, a subgenre we are both huge fans of. This is Ethereal Exile with Scarlet Queen. 
That was Scarlet Queen by Polish Melodeath Clan Ethereal Exile off their 2020 full-length independent release, Soul Beyond Time. So, Xander, I know you went down to Atlanta, the Masquerade, a place I haven't been for years, to see an amazing show, Deicide, Cataclysm, and other bands. Dude, I had this circled on my calendar for a long time. Couldn't make it due to other commitments, but tell me about the show. The Deicide show, uh, of course, Deicide was the headliner, Cataclysm, Internal Bleeding, and Beget the Nephilim. I ended up buying four tickets to go to the show. And originally it was going to be me, my brother, Chris from Yoltner, and, uh, and Sean Whitaker. But Sean Whitaker ended up having to play a show out in Arizona. And Chris, he ended up getting a job where he only works the weekends. Since I couldn't find anybody to let in for free, I just had the person at the front door scan all four of the tickets. And I told them, hey, the next two people who need tickets, just let them in. I'm going to be somebody's Santa today. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You are a friend of metal. That's outstanding, man. Sharing the metal love. That's killer. So Two people got in for free because, man, and I don't know, but kind of cool doing something nice for people like that every once in a while. You never know. One of them might have accepted Satan as their personal savior that evening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But Internal Bleeding, of course, they're classic slam death. They're like the godfathers of slam. And uh, the drummer for the band called Desecrate the Faith, Mike Caputo, he was filling in for them on this particular tour. So I got to meet him and the vocalist of Internal Bleeding and got my picture with both of them. Now, that was my third time seeing Cataclysm. And I got to say something I was thinking about earlier is back in 2011 is the first time I saw Cataclysm live. And at the time, they just put out the album called uh, Heaven's Venom. And they put out the song called Push the Venom as one of their first singles on that album. And I remember thinking that song was just fucking awesome. So I ended up going to Buffalo, New York with a couple of friends of mine, because I used to live in upstate New York at the time. And we had been inside this venue for a really long time. Uh, so we ended up having to leave the show early. So 10 years ago, when I saw them, I unfortunately didn't get to see the whole show of Cataclysm. I only got to see like half their set, and they didn't make it to the song Push the Venom yet. So 10 years later, I finally see them, and they played that song again. So that was my first time hearing that song live. So I had to get in the pit for that. No, no question about it, you know. But uh, one thing I do know is that I acquired more injuries than I ever have in a pit before at the DSI show. It's pretty much a staple that you're going to get your toe step on like 400 times in a single night if you're in a pit. But I think my toe, I barely had any feeling in it whenever I got back to the motel. I got punched in the lower back by somebody. I don't know who it was. Uh, I got backhanded in the face, uh, like right in the nose. I got elbows in the mouth. Got shoved to the ground a couple times. My back, chest, both my arms are sore from either getting shoved or shoulder rammed or me shoving someone else and shoulder ramming someone else. And, of course, there's always the one big bulldog in the pit that's just throwing everybody around like a rag doll. And whenever uh, this girl was crowd surfing near me, she got turned sideways and she accidentally kicked me in the face. Then another person uh, was uh, crowd surfing. And the guy landed on top of my head, which kind of hurt my neck a little bit. 
I got chewed up and spit out of this particular show. <laughs> it was worth it, though, because if you don't leave a venue feeling sore, then you didn't have a good time. That's part of the music experience, man, just the music and other fans beating the crap out of you. Uh, and it's good to get back to that, man. We have gone too long without that experience. Oh, yeah. It's not the worst. I mean, I've gotten a headbutt on the nose and got a bloody nose once whenever I was in the wall of death for ingested a couple of years ago. Then whenever I was moshing it in Rings of Saturn during uh, Summer Slaughter like three years ago, somebody stuffed me in the side of the head on purpose. Somebody crowd killed me in that one. So that, that, that's part of the reason why I don't like moshing in death for pits anymore. I know there's always a fucking crowd killer. Not cool in my opinion, but... Uh... Oh, hell no. Uh, that, that, that's some cowardice shit right there. Yeah. You can be aggressive and be slamming around, but there's a way to do it that's neighborly, and then there's a way of doing it that you're just being an ass. Right. If you're going to shove somebody in the pit, at least be looking them in the eye when you do it. Exactly. Unless you're in a circle pit and you know that everybody's going to be shoving your back anyway. Exactly. That's about the only exception to shoving someone in the back (laughs) is if you're in a circle pit. The same night... That you were in Atlanta, I was up in Newport, Kentucky, second night of the Tri-State Terror Fest featuring Ringworm, Shed the Skin, Wraith out of Indiana, local band from Louisville Stonecutters, also out of Louisville Cryptic Hymn, and uh, Grave Ripper, also from Indiana. So six bands in the evening, uh, you know, a little... Some of them a little on the more hardcore side, which isn't really my thing. Um, second time I'd seen Ringworm, I saw them, I can't even remember, back a few years ago in Nashville. A little more on the hardcore edge, so that's not something I'm going to be listening to on a regular basis because I'm more a melodic metal kind of guy. But live, they're pretty uh, intense and are very entertaining. Shed the Skin, I really like. Some of the same members from that band as in Ringworm, a little more metalish, uh, a little more on the on the technical side. Definitely there was some shredding from the Shedders. Stonecutters out of Louisville, a little slower, groovier and doomier, but definitely very metal. Those guys have been on a number of national tours in recent years and so have done very well. Uh, my boys in Cryptic Cam, love those guys. Wraith is also kind of a quasi-punky, hardcore-ish metal band. Got to interview them, which we'll have up soon on the Great Metal Debate podcast feed. Real like those guys. I was trying real hard to get some good shots of them, and I just got blindsided in the pit, and I landed on my ass. Somebody took me the fuck out. I went flying. I left my feet. I don't know how far. But fortunately, there were people there picking me up. And I, I, I saw the guitarist after the show as I was leaving. I was like, hey, man, thanks for the interview. You know, good to meet you. He's like, dude, are you okay? I saw you go down. It was a really good evening. That place, South House Gate Revival, it's an awesome venue. It's a converted old church, so you kind of have a gothic, eerie feel, stained glass windows. And uh, Will, the guy with Transplant Productions, the organizer of the concerts up there, he does a remarkable job. Bands start on time, which is not something that you always can count on. It's well organized and uh, is just a, a good time. Got to see a lot of folks from Louisville that I hadn't seen in a while. 
especially the guys with cryptic ham. So it was a it was a enjoyable evening. Uh, I had heard a cryptic ham before, but I can't tell you a single song that they do or what they sound like. Uh, Ringworm, uh, yeah, I think they're like a technical death metal band, right? There's some technical elements, but I I I would say they're still in the metal genre. Uh, in metal archives, folks agree, but they definitely have a hardcore edge to them. So uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of the band called Wormhole. Never mind. Yeah, your Wormhole is the tech death band. Yeah, yeah, they're not. I mean, they've got some shades of technical stuff at times, but that they would not be the classic tech death band. They're more. There's definitely a strong hardcore element to them. Yeah. So, um, and as for Grave Worm, I have never seen them. They're like a, a goth metal band, aren't they? You know what? I think I might have gotten confused again. I, I'm, I'm stuck on the word worm. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was Grave <laughs> Ripper. Grave Ripper was one of the bands. Um, Hell Ripper? Grave Ripper. Or just Ripper. Oh, Grave Ripper. It's, oh, okay. It's like one of those things, like, you know, you got two lists, like, pick pick one from this list and one from the next and put them together. It's the name of metal band. Grave and Worm or Grave and Ripper. Yeah, uh, you, you said Grave Grave Ripper and Ringworm, and I, th- I guess I must have thought that you said Grave Worm. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I, I can totally see doing that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that, my apologies there. Oh. <laughs> We've got one of those bands you talked about, Grave Ripper out of Indiana. Here they are with their track, Adam's Divide.
just heard the track Adam's Divide by Dark Thrasher's Grave Ripper from the 2021 EP Radiated Remains, one of many awesome bands I saw perform recently in Newport as part of Transplant Productions' Tri-State Terror Fest. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Xander for guest hosting the show, and thank you, the listener, for hanging with us. The darkest days are behind, and in the coming months, we've got more concerts to discuss, more albums to review, more artists to interview, and more metal to debate. To stay on top of it all, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as liking our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find us by using the keywords Metal Debate. Until our next podcast, sell your soul for metal and defend it till your dying day. We'll be right back.